Hello and welcome to The Point 99 Podcast. We're a running podcast made by runners for runners. If you're new to running, we hope to have topics and discussions that will help you along whatever path your journey is taking or for any returning listeners and seasoned runners, maybe some stories that will have you empathising with our experiences. Whether it's lessons we've learned during our own journeys, embarrassing stories or heartstring pulling moments. Hopefully you'll stick with us while we try share some good vibes, motivation and positivity. And hopefully we can have a laugh along the way. Firstly, I hope you've had a spectacular week since episode 2 dropped. Before I get too carried away with what will likely be a jam-packed episode as I give you a rundown on how the Amsterdam Marathon unfolded, I'm going to roll out the red carpet and welcome back our guest from the last episode. The running order for the podcast is purposefully a little bit different this week because I haven't been checking out my guest's social feed over the past few days. So when our chat comes in a second, it will be fresh and unrehearsed. So without any more stalling, I'm going to run the chat I had with Rachel and catch up with you after our chat to find out a little bit more about how my running week went and that of the wider community. There's a minimal scripted intro today, but that's not because my guest doesn't deserve a warm and hyped up introduction. It's more selfishness on my part for wanting to get right into chatting with her. Anyone who listened to the last episode will already be well aware of who's joining me today, as we have a first for the podcast, seeing a continuation of a guest from the previous episode, effectively being a two-part special. In the last episode, we learned a little about how training and preparation had planned out ahead of last weekend's big event, but now it's time to find out how it all went. I've purposefully not viewed liked, commented or watched any of our content since the event's finale on Sunday because I wanted to be captivated by it all directly from the lady herself over the duration of our chat. That does, however, mean I'll be bombarding her feed once we're done. It is, of course, the returning conqueror of the Amsterdam Marathon 2023, Rachel Spears, better known as Rach Ran a Marathon. Welcome back. Thanks, Stephen. Happy to be back. <laughs> I'm glad, I am honestly glad to have you back. It's nice to have uh, a returning guest for once, but uh, I, I've got a really important question for you before we even get going. Go for it. How did the episode go down with your mum? Because I did see before um, before you made your own journey over that she was planning to listen to it on the flight over to the Netherlands. She loved Yes, yeah, she listened to it on her flight to Amsterdam and she honestly loved it. I feel like I thought she'd be sick of my voice, but she obviously likes hearing it but I think it's just good because she can hear me speaking to someone else about running that she doesn't need to be part of the conversation about and it's just quite nice and again when I mentioned that I met you at the expo which we'll probably talk about she was so excited it was almost like I'd met a celebrity she was like, oh, <laughs> she's like that's so nice and she's definitely excited about the second part she's she's ready She's followed it on Spotify, so she's ready for it to come out. <laughs> I'll have to get her on next. As, as, a, as a previous runner herself, I'll have to get her on as a future guest. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like inspired because she's not running a while due to injuries, but yeah. she mentioned the other day, she was like, well, maybe I'll start Couch to 5K. So she might be returning to the running world. Who knows? Spot on. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good. And then you could run, you could run together. 
Exactly. I think that'd be nice. Right. Well, I think we, we, we very, very briefly uh, had a little chat beforehand, not not nearly as long as uh, yes. episode one. Um, so I just touched on there, but can you can you tell us how you're feeling having come back from the marathon? I think physically, and then we'll, we'll work our way through uh, in an almost uh, logical approach then yeah. after that. Yeah, so I think you mentioned in the last episode, just like a wee snippet at the end, I'd injured myself kind of two weeks out. Um, I pulled my right calf muscle. So my calf is very sore now. Um, I've actually got the physio tomorrow just to try and sort it out. So physically, that's the only thing. I think if my calf wasn't sore, I'd be back to back to peak peak fitness. fitness. So everything apart from the calf, but that, that was expected. <laughs> Okay, that's, that's maybe not too bad, but you've, you of course touched on there at the expo. Um, yeah. Can you can you talk us through how the travel went? Because you obviously had a very very early flight over to yeah. Amsterdam. Your your whole time in the Netherlands was compressed. So mm-hmm. can you t- talk through how the travel went? Did you yeah. go to your hotel first, and then obviously talk about the expo and how I actually bumped into you, <laughs> and I, did, did that actually help the calf as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, so our flight was at 6am from Glasgow. So we got up about three and then headed there, got there about four. I was very excited. My boyfriend was very tired, but I was not tired. I was excited. I hadn't posted anything on Instagram because I didn't want to jinx. I only posted like once I actually got to Amsterdam. So the flight went very smooth. We got seats with extra legroom because I was like, I'm going to be running the marathon. Treat yourself. <laughs> Um, so got the extra leg room and then we couldn't check into our hotel till three and we landed about 8 a.m or wow. like maybe half eight but my mom and brother were staying at the same hotel so um we actually our hotel was kind of further out so we actually just went straight to the expo um my mom and brother were going to be meeting us there but they were slightly late so me and my boyfriend went around the expo i think that's when i bumped into you so bumped into steve at the when i was getting a massage on my legs which was very interesting it was kind of I explained it to my boyfriend like when you're getting your like blood pressure taken on your arm and the machine squeezes your arm it felt like all over your legs and there was like different programs like they started like with each section going up your legs and then they started like all at once it was definitely quite sore around my calf I was hoping that it helped um I don't know might have relieved a bit um but yeah that that was my first expo and it was it's just very exciting, like getting everyone together in one place, and you can feel the buzz. Everyone's excited. That wall with all the names was—it was cool. Finally found my name. But <laughs> it was amazing, wasn't it? Because I, I mean, when I first went in, it was so nice walking into that expo, yeah. and then going into that first hall. And I'd planned to go in early because I didn't want to get caught up in a rush. Um, and then we walked into the first first hall, and my wife's like, "You said it was going to be busy." <laughs> oh, sorry, I just want to get in early. Um, but yeah, you weren't just getting a massage though. It's you were getting <laughs> they're they're like I don't even know how to describe them. I think people will know what they are. The the giant kind of zip on um almost like really long stockings, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, big like if anyone I'll have it on the highlight on my Amsterdam Marathon, the video of me having it. But yeah, it's big zip on, yeah, almost stockings that yeah, very, and he kept up in the pressure, and I was like, "Please stop!" But yeah, I wasn't sure whether you were whether you were comfortable because you you looked well happy as well. I don't know if you were comfortable or not. Um, because yeah, my boyfriend was sitting kind of further back, he had sat on like he'd find a seat to sit on, and he was texting me going like, "Are, are you okay? You look a bit 
pain and I was like I'm not sure <laughs> not sure how I'm feeling right now I, I I did think I was after I walked away I thought maybe I should have got a selfie just to say Here, here's this week's guest but at the same time I didn't want you feeling like you're just lying there being like oh, I wish you would I wish you'd just fuck her yeah. off <laughs> I mean, we should have we should have um, but it, it didn't it didn't hinder you, but it also maybe didn't help you as, as much as you were hoping it might. Yeah, I think I was looking for any solution the day before. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, how far out then was, was your hotel? Like you said it's quite far out. Well, it was maybe like half an hour from the airport, but also like half an hour from like tram to the centre. Okay. So, yeah, we just kind of each day we'd just get like the tram to the centre. And then can I just stay there? It wasn't too bad. Um, was it more in the south as well then, towards towards the Olympic Stadium? It was kind of over to the east, I'd okay. say. Yeah, it was like quite near the, like the end of Vondo Park. It was quite quite near there. Right. Okay. Okay. Now we 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 had because uh, we'd walked out before to to the expo. I thought I'll try yeah. it. I'll I'll trial it in the morning. See how it goes. Um. Because I wanted to be like, how am I going to get to the expo? That was my biggest concern. I wanted to be make sure I was on time and I got my baggage dropped off. And it was half an hour walk. So we had to go because we were staying next to, it was a convention center right next to us as well. So we had to walk through this park. Um, oh. But it was half an hour walk as well. So I I had that fear of, I'm going to miss this, aren't I? I'm going to take a yeah. wrong turn or something. Yeah. Um, but at least you had, so you had the benefit of the, the tram uh, or at least the metro to the, the stadium in the morning. Yes. So but it was quite lucky we were a bit out because it wasn't as busy. Like when we got on, the, like, yeah, the metro was empty, which was good. Obviously filled up as we got closer. Um, but once we got to the station at the Olympic Stadium, it was busy. Like we queued from like as soon as we stepped off the metro to like down the stairs to the ticket bits. It was like queues. I remember when we were on the metro, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe we didn't need to leave as early. But I'm so glad. We left like with lots of time because that was busy and everyone was quite stressed because it was getting closer to the start time and obviously everyone there was running the marathon. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I ran down myself. I got caught in that hailstones and I ran down. But before I get I get too ahead of ourselves, so yeah. you had the expo. What else happened then on the day leading up to the marathon? Did you do a little bit of sightseeing? Did you try and keep your steps down? What was on the agenda? Um, hope to keep my steps down, but I looked at my watch at the end of the day and I had about 18,000, which was the most I'd done in the two weeks I was injured. So, um, But yeah, went headed back to the hotel after the expo, dropped her stuff off, and then we went for some breakfast, got some pastries. I'd taken like hydration tablets with me, so I was making sure that I was constantly hydrated and then we actually headed into the center and went on like one of the canal cruises um, and it was really nice. I ended up falling asleep on the oh. canal cruise. <laughs> I was just so tired um but yeah it was nice the weather stayed dry for the majority of that and then headed back to the hotel for a nap because I was uh, I think the three o'clock um alarm clock was catching up on me so lots of sleep and then we headed out for dinner went for some pizza in the center again um carb loading which was good and then we were going to hang around the center for a bit but i was just like i'd just rather get home get organized get everything laid out before the big day it was like christmas day for isn't it getting, yeah. getting ready <laughs> yeah, i was i was yeah it was a mix of nerves and excited i think i was lying in bed on the saturday night and i was like i don't like in that mind 
well, I missed a bit out. So we ran for one of the trams, which was like maybe like 100 metres because the tram was there and we needed to go. This was on the Saturday for going for dinner. And we ran, I ran 100 metres and my calf was so sore. Oh, no. And I was, I think that put like the fear in my head. I was like, I've just ran 100 metres and that's really sore. How am I, how on earth am I going to run 42 kilometres tomorrow? So I think from the dinner up until bed, I was like, I just want to finish it. And my boyfriend was like, this time tomorrow you'll have a medal. And I was like, I actually don't know if I will. It, like it was, my mind was just going places that probably shouldn't go um, the night before a marathon. Dangerous places. De- definitely dangerous places. The head is such a an enemy to us at times, but yeah. our best friend as well. Um, I did see your story that you, you kind of signed off for the night and it was like, half nine ten o'clock or something it was didn't feel that late and of course I was I was still awake until about one in the morning and thinking I've I've gone too far here Rachel's gone to bed at really good time she's going to be energized she's going to be ready to go in the morning and I'm I was trying to make the most of my birthday as much as possible Um, oh yeah I forgot it was your birthday happy um, birthday (laughs) thank you (laughs) I I, I was lucky enough to have a friend come up uh, who lives in the south of um, the Netherlands a a town called Almelo so he came up did the expo he came up and met us and spent the day so similar to yourself ended up walking like 23,000 steps um we'd we'd gone to Central and then walked out got pizza for lunch and went to the the Rijksmuseum, which we ran through um, the next day. Didn't know we were going to be doing that. So uh, we walked out. We were going to go in to, because it was quite quite pricey for what it was, uh, and walk back to the station after doing a couple of bits and pieces, not realising that our hotel was closer to the Rijksmuseum than it was to the the Rijksmuseum was to the centre of Amsterdam. Lessons were learned. Yeah, I feel um, like the day before a marathon, you hope to do no steps. But I feel like, especially if it's one abroad, you want to explore and yeah. it just never happens. <laughs> I told Patrick Watkins, a previous guest off in the past before he did uh, Copenhagen, because he'd done 10,000 steps. Oh. I told him off. So he was making sure I wasn't doing that many. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so you got a good rest. You were you were, you were were fully rested uh, the early morning on the flight over hadn't hadn't affected you too much but it probably allowed you to get a better sleep in a strange yeah. bed than you might otherwise have gotten yeah um, so how did the morning pan out morning I woke up very, extremely nervous I was not in a good mood at all usually the morning before a marathon I'm so excited but I was just, just t- like my boyfriend was like be excited and I was like I don't think I'm going to be able to do this and he was like trying to play like a <laughs> playlist to hype me up he was like come on come on and I was like no Jacob but honestly I don't know what's gonna happen here so yeah again it was the mind games of I think because I'd put a lot of pressure on myself of time and you've done like I'd done all my training runs and all that I think that was it was I think that was the first worry and then the second worry was like well what if we don't actually finish it so managed to hype myself up a bit I put my running playlist on just like forgot about it I was like my boyfriend was like, if you don't finish, you don't finish. Like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, I think we'd, he then switched to that mindset of, right, well, if you don't finish, it doesn't matter. Like, you're injured. Don't worry. Like, we're still going to have a nice time in Amsterdam. 
you can come back if you really want to do the marathon next year, things like that. So, yeah, that was the morning in the hotel. I'd brought a bagel with me from home because um, I just I always have a bagel before a marathon. That's my pre-marathon ritual. Um, but my boyfriend was laughing because I always bring Biscoff spread, but I forgot that. And I also wanted to bring a knife with me and I forgot that I can't do that on planes. <laughs> yeah it's kind of frowned upon that yeah <laughs> that the morning was i had just a plain bagel which sometimes i have had so it didn't um, really bother me that much and then lots of water and i'd also brought like a cereal bar as well and a banana of course so i was i was fueled i felt ready and as soon as we stepped out of the hotel i was excited even though the hailstones were falling from the sky <laughs> which was yeah a nice welcome i felt like I think we spoke about all messages. It felt like home. <laughs> yeah, very Scottish welcome to, to the start of the day, wasn't it? It's yeah. Almost didn't feel like the day the day before had been very warm. Come the morning of Sunday, it yeah. dramatically dropped in temperature. Yeah, I'm glad. I brought, like, I had my race outfit on, but I had, like, my joggies and my hoodie on top. So the so people on the metro I probably didn't look like a runner, but... Yeah, <laughs> um did did your mood then as you say it kind, of, it kind of improved slightly when you got out of the hotel did it improve much more when you got to the uh, actual event and like you said you, you kind of said at the beginning there you saw how busy it was coming off the metro and just the streams of people going towards the olympic stadium um seemed to be two flows of traffic going in different ways and that was really confusing for me um yeah. i think as soon as I stepped off the metro, all my like negative thoughts, nervousness left. I was so excited, which I was happy with. I was like, right, here's pre-marathon Rach, she's back. Like, because before every marathon, I'm so excited, and I was like worried because I was like, where's she gone? But she was back. Um, I think it was like the atmosphere, just everything. Um, I think because we'd been held up in the metro a bit, it was a slight rush to the start, but I still had like time to stretch and things, and my calf felt like it eased off a bit um and then when we walked into the olympic stadium my eyes just like i don't know about you it was very emotional like kind of walking in and looking around my i'm not a very emotional person but my eyes like welled up and i was like oh my god like this is incredible i think starting in the olympic stadium was one of the highlights for me it was something else wasn't it i did have a wow moment um because we you were in green wave uh, yeah. was it yeah green wave as well so we had to come through that it almost felt like you were a footballer going through a tunnel and you had to come through that underside <laughs> yeah. section and yeah. then to come out it was like a wow moment of this is this is just something else and yeah it probably wasn't it was nowhere near as busy as it was uh in, in spectator wise um as it was later in the day but yeah. it was something else i don't know whether it was your family and your boyfriend in the crowd but i did see a few soul tires flying and, and even the, the line rampant as well i was like that's really nice to see that in the crowd and they, they were yeah. listing off all the nations that were there um i got the video of the starters kind of the the, the elite runners and they were introducing oh. them all as well it's just it's just as i'd come through and you're right i i didn't get emotional at that point uh, on that entry to the stadium mm. um so much but it was something else just it just felt like a whole different experience compared to any other marathon yeah, it was, and I, I think I might have just come in a bit after you because the screens were showing like the elites, like just kind of running out of the stadium, and it was, yeah, and I could see my mum and brother and my boyfriend had come into like they'd 
come in like the spec they were sitting in the seat so like they were all waving and I could see like I could see them which kind of made me reassured so yeah I, I did always I was always keeping an eye open for you because I wasn't quite sure if you were already there, if you were coming in behind me, uh, and I got myself, I got myself quite close to the start of our wave, um, and then <laughs> I, I don't know about yourself, but I, I had, I had done. Um, I don't know if you, if you, if you know the story, but what happened with Edinburgh with me, and I, I took the maximum dose of of Imodium that day, um, <laughs> but I, I didn't, I didn't have to this time. I had two. Okay. I thought, well, I'm going to go to the Portaloos. So our wave started, and I just thought, no, the Portaloos for the orange wave are clear now. I'm just going to jump in there. And then I had to catch up with the full green wave. <laughs> so I don't. I must have. I must have been near you at one point in time, or past you. I just don't know. Um, the starting was 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 quite cool, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know about you, but we started running before the start. Like, they kind of opened <laughs> a wave, and then everyone was... I've actually got a video. I haven't posted it. My boyfriend took a video, and they kind of opened the gates to our wave, and we start running, and you can see me going, why are we running? The start's, like, not not, not until, like, round the corner. Um, but then everyone stopped at the start, and then we actually started. Um, but, yeah, that was... The start was something else, I think. Because usually I'm, like used to like maybe starting like a main road or like yeah Edinburgh and Manchester kind of starting on like a motorway or something like that we're starting inside the Olympic Park I felt like an athlete like a true athlete it was, yeah. it was really because I came out I came out in Portland and just it just started but you're right everyone was running around it's almost yeah. like Rachel the day before running for the tram yeah so many people must have like burnt their legs like straight away yeah, I, I just walk through. Just take your time. You're not crossed that start line yet. Yeah, I should have done that. That was like I was just followed the crowd and was like, "Oh, we should be running." Oh, it's <laughs> it's so easily led, but I mean, it it did feel really great to start in that environment and possibly set a lot of people off at it with a with a good mental outlook towards the whole race. It certainly did for me. Uh, and coming round that corner, you're seeing all the branding, all the hoarding, yeah. the flags. And then you come through that lovely kind of arched gate, um, which we then return through later on. Then yeah. Talk to me about the, the, the race itself then. Uh, how did the how did that all pan out for you? Were there any particular parts you weren't super happy with? Were there certain parts of the, the, the route that you loved? Can it talk me through the whole thing? Yeah, so if people have seen in my story, it was a full roller coaster of emotions this this marathon so it started off felt really strong my calf had it almost felt like it vanished I feel like because my mind was like on the crowds and the atmosphere my calf didn't feel sore and I was aiming for a 4.30 time that was kind of one of my main goals and I stuck with them until about 21 kilometers and um, I felt so strong I was going a good like consistent pace and I could see the tracker on the app and I was actually getting faster every 5k and I was like, yep, this is what I've trained for. And I think running through like the Vondo Park, I'd like walked through there like last year when I'd went and it was cool to see it kind of full of people. Although there was a slight, because you come back that way, you were running, you maybe ran two kilometres and it was like 40 kilometres and you were like, oh no, this is going to be a long race. And I think I'd only ever tracked my marathons and miles Whereas this was the first one, for some reason, I tracked it. I think I'd done my whole training block in kilometres. And obviously it was a European race, so it was kilometres. 
and I don't think I'll be doing that again. I think they just, even though they go by faster, they just dragged dragged in because I feel like the miles you only really have to go into like the 10s and the 20s whereas the kilometers are the 10s the 20s the 30s the 40s yeah so it was I remember looking at my watch and was like oh this is going to be long but yeah up until the 21 kilometer I felt so good felt so strong I yeah I was with the 430 pacers I even like went for a toilet break and caught back up with the 430 pacers um which I was really happy with the canal part, I don't know about you, but there were some amazing houses along that canal. I remember just like that just took my mind off it for a while. I was like, I want to live here. This is cool. Um, and I think tra- I did a lot of my long runs along like the canal in Glasgow. Um, so that's kind of prepared me. So I'd done like my 32 kilometer run along the canal, which was with like no one. I, like I hardly ever saw ever, ever anyone on that path. So it was good to kind of be with people running along the canal um but yeah then 31 eh, 21 kilometers was when it all went a bit downhill um my calf completely cramped up like the cramp where I looked down and I could like see it twitching Ooh. yeah <laughs> so that almost as soon as I stepped over the halfway point that happened and I just I had to stop like on the spot and I was like oh like I don't think I can continue and there were some girls around me like who I'd been running with a lot of the time and we hadn't really spoke to each other but like we were all running with each other for the first like two hours and they were like oh are you okay and I was like no no like please go ahead like don't stop and then so I took a wee minute and then just kind of walked it off and then started running but from 21 to 42 kilometers the calf completely cramped um so it wasn't much fun after that point and- it was I had my sunglasses on and then there was a girl next to me and she was like, it's not sunny, like, take your sunglasses off. And I took them off and she could see her, like, the tears running from Aww. my eyes. I think it was more, I don't think the tears were from pain. I think the tears were more from the pressure I'd put on myself. Like, I'd posted on my Instagram, like, when I first started training, I want 4.30. Like, I told people I want 4.30. Mm-hmm. I felt like I deserved that 4.30 and it just been taken away from me um, quite quickly. And then... I was just like walking, running, walking, more walking than running. And then it was the 440s pacers passed me and I was like, oh my, like this is not good. And then the 450 pacers passed me and I just completely broke down. Yeah. I was so upset. And I remember texting mom and boyfriend. I'd like created a group chat and I just te- texted the word like struggling. And mom was like, don't worry like it was okay to walk like we're at 32 I like they told me they were at 32 kilometers so I had that in my head that they were there and I would need that boost um but yeah I was looking back on the pictures that have been posted and a lot of them are me walking you can just see the pain in my face um so yeah it was very much walk run walk run um I knew that I would finish it I don't think I was worried about that I think it was the time in my head that I'd put the pressure on which I just had to take that pressure off completely. Um, and it, it would have been, I suppose, different if you hadn't had the calf issue leading up to it. If if you'd been in a in a physical condition where, let's say, the four thirty shouldn't have been an issue at all, and you can't you 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 did something to ruin it yourself. Yeah. Then I would have said, well that's something you have to learn from, but you, you had an injury that was of no fault of your own. 
it, it appeared. So maybe it was just even something you pulled yourself in the sleep or, or it could have been a number of different reasons your calf is gone. There was nothing you could have done about that. But yeah. at the time, it's very hard to, to know that yourself or to, to tell yourself that, especially given how hard that section between the halfway point to where your where your mum was at 32 kilometers because I'd already been told there was a, a section that was industrial mm-hmm. um and it was very difficult. There wasn't that many people or compared to other areas of the route and it would be very mentally challenging. And although there were a lot of people, um, or I found there was a lot more people than I expected, it but even for me that was the most challenging part. But that was just mental games for myself. I, I didn't have to worry about any additional pressures because of what you were going through. So I, I can kind of fully fully understand where where that it's a, it's a long old section to go where you're not feeling you're not feeling the best. Um, especially having had come along the canal where you were feeling a lot happier. It was it was beautiful down there. I was I was yeah. more um, taken aback, and I knew this anyway about the, about the Dutch. The cows just just milling yeah. around, and yeah. there's no fences. It's just like little canals <laughs> separating yeah. the fields. Um, and I think that's you, you obviously didn't mention that before our chat. And I'd said I I had that that worry myself. My legs were starting to pulse, like they were gonna 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 go into cramp. And I think for me that was because that first half was almost completely flat. Yeah, there wasn't really any any feeling of of rise or fall until we got to 19 kilometers and we had a nice uphill, which was a relief for me being that I train mostly on elevation. And so it settled my legs to that halfway point. And I got to halfway and I thought, well, I'm no PB in my half, but Mm -hmm. I'm feeling comfortable. Um, And yeah, I, I must, I must have passed you or maybe you were in for your toilet break at the time because I, I didn't really come up to the 4.30 pacers until around about the halfway. So I kind of, I'm, it's, it's a shame that I missed you now, actually, because I think having someone you know as well, or yeah. at least know of, um, it, might, it, might have, it might have been a good uh, relief for you. But you, you kind of, you cracked on though, and you, you, you made strides to get to the 32 kilometers. Yeah. How did you feel that, that kind of, that whole drag then? Because, there were more elevations and there were uh, sections that kind of dropped away uh, and then the crowds obviously built up a lot more. How, how did that kind of help you or hinder you at all? Yeah, I think I hadn't really like read up on the course a lot, but I think that my 21 to 32 key was probably the worst part to like be going through uh, a mental tough time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if mom and boyfriend had planned like at the start. I think they were just planned to get me at the end. But I think as soon as I sent that text, they were like, okay, <laughs> let's go and try and get her somewhere. And I think knowing that they were at 32 just kept me going. Although my watch was 0.8 kilometers like ahead of. <laughs> ahead so of, was like, mine. I, that's yeah. really annoying though, Ritual, isn't it? Because we ran, I don't know about your final, but I ran an extra kilometer. Yeah, no, me too. I was, I think I was, yeah, 43.1 or something. <laughs> so, yeah, but I remember mom texted me, like, I'm at 32, and then obviously my watch hit 32, but technically they weren't until, like, 32.8. So that yeah. eight kilometres was, and I remember they were just at a corner, just as I turned the corner, they were all there, and I, I didn't want to stop. 
I was like, if I stop and kind of chat, chat to them, I'll, I'll like, I felt like I just kind of had to keep going. So mm. it gave me, a, I didn't, usually I take a hydration pack, but it'd been causing me issues the past few weeks. So I just took like one of the belts. Um, so they handed me a bottle of water, kind of ran slowly past them. And they were like 10 kilometers to go. But I think mom was maybe thinking that was going to help. And 10 kilometers seemed like a very far distance. And I was like, please don't say that. <laughs> that was very long. Um, but yeah, from 32 to the end, I think, because it was like kind of a straight bit. And we'd kind of done a lot of that before. Again, I think I've scanned over when we ran through the Rice Museum. I was, I went straight to the painful bit. I want to go back to the Rice Museum. That was incredible to run through. It was a delight. Did, did you did you yeah. give the high five to the lion that was at the Rice yeah. Museum? Yes. Uh, oh, I think that was when I was feeling the best as well. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be the race of this is going to be the best race of my life. Um, but, yeah, that was a highlight. And it was nice to, like, run past that again and reminisce on me feeling happy the first time I ran through it. <laughs> did, did it help help spur that same sort of emotion then? Did it, did it help lift you because you knew you were getting closer to the Olympic Stadium again? Unfortunately not, because as I was running past it is when the fastest half marathon people started to pass me. <laughs> Which oh. just, yeah, that just plummet, I think, because I heard like a beeping noise from like a bike and I was like a motorbike. And I was like, why? Are, what, what's going on? And they were like, we all had to move into the right because like, I think the first half marathon guy was like coming. And I was like, oh, my God, no, like, I don't know what time they started that, but that just like. Was like how are the half marathon people finishing already like how is this possible so i think that just threw like a spanner in my head and i was like rachel you're the slowest person here right now like so it was yeah that was what threw me again um and then as soon as we entered the Vondel park up until the end that seemed like i feel like the last few kilometers always seemed like a lot like a long time and when we were coming up to we ran out of Vondel Park and I stopped. I was like, I just need to stop. And there was a woman behind me. Um, didn't actually catch her name, but I then found the photos that were in together. Her name was Val. And she tapped me and she was like, don't don't stop now. Like, we've got two kilometres to go. Like, just, just... And she ran with me for, like, the last two kilometres. We didn't really speak much, but she was like, no. And she kind of held my hand and was like... I didn't tell her that I was in pain because I was just like, no, like, she, she just needs to carry me. Um, and she then ran on a bit, but she kept turning around and was like, come on, come on, come on. And, yeah, I put on my story. When we were passing that, I am stood down, like, the big sign with all the flags. Up and Still up until there, I was like, I don't know if I'll finish this. But then I ran into... Well, as soon as I ran into Olympic Park, it was kind of the feelings of my calf and all the mental stuff all left. It was like, you've just, like, ran another marathon. Like, yeah. be hard on yourself. Um, and I think once I finished, got the medal, I, bumped, I saw my mom at the end and she was like, yeah, well done. And I took my sunglasses off and just burst into tears. I think, again, it was the pressure that I put on myself. It wasn't the pain I was crying from. It was the pressure. Which you you'd put a lot of pressure on yourself and your, yeah. your head had dug a hole Yeah. at that and last, yeah. Yeah, and like I put it on my story, like oh, like no PPs to teach it here today, and everyone was like, "You've just ran a marathon, like why, why, why are you saying no PPs? Like you've literally ran a And I'd seen Emily post like early in the week, about, and I think Alison posted as well, but like a PB isn't just time, 
like no. EB can be like you felt good and on it like I, I, the PB for me that day was I ran a mar- marathon like that was doesn't matter what time that was like possibly I think it was my slowest marathon but with a like cramped calf for 20 for a half marathon I'll take it <laughs> well, that's it, it you, you've run you'd run x number of marathons beforehand and you yeah. added on to that tally so that beat your personal best of how many marathons you'd previously run so yeah. it's still a pb it may not have been a pb in completion of time that you were hoping for yeah but hopefully it, it, it wasn't a, an overall negative um yeah. event for you hopefully hopefully you kind of come away from it going well i've learned a lot from this um are there things that you maybe learned that you're you're taking away as positives from the whole the whole run yeah I think I think it set like a fire in my belly to like I don't know go out there and because I know that that 430 is there like I, I, I can feel it I know it's there um again I think on the build-up it's just that lack of like the strength training was there but maybe not proper that the calf wasn't as strong enough but I think positive takeaways from the day the atmosphere like I, I think if I hadn't put the pressure on myself the day would have been perfect um the atmosphere the route majority of it without the industrial parts were incredible I think marathons are great ways to see places that you maybe wouldn't have seen like I probably wouldn't have taken myself out to like that big canal but if I was just visiting Amsterdam on like a city break mm-hmm. um and I think it's those friends that you make during marathons that maybe you don't speak to a lot, but you're all you're all in it together. Um, and the likes of Val and the, the girls yeah. you were running with, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's made me want to. Uh, I've always said I won't do the same marathon twice, but I feel like I quite like flat elevation, and I think maybe because I hadn't properly looked at the route, prop like looked at the route that maybe threw me off because there was parts I was like I don't even know like where we're going now mm-hmm. I don't know how long we've got to like obviously I knew how, how long but I don't because when I'd done Manchester and Edinburgh I know both of those places quite well so I know I knew I was like oh well it's, I know that that's that far to the finish line whereas when we were kind of like 34 kilometers I was like right well I know we've got like eight kilometers to go but I have no idea where we're running what the crowds will be like um so I'd I would like to go back and do it again with all that knowledge behind me. You you certainly go back. Let's say you do it next year. You would go back with knowledge. But I am pretty sure, now I need to check to make make sure, but I'm pretty sure next year might be a big anniversary for them. I have no idea. I I heard when they were doing the introductions and, and, and the like, I'm pretty sure that next year, maybe something daft like their 50th anniversary or, or something along that lines. So it might be worth having a wee check and, and seeing, because yeah. that would be really cool to, to go back and get revenge, not on the course, but yeah. on the mental state that, that your, your mind let yourself get into. And yeah. you've got the winter to, to go into the gym, do some strength and conditioning, hopefully give time for the calf to recover, uh, but also build up the strength, and uh, you could always run another marathon because you're wanting to run as many marathons or 10 marathons before you're 30. Yeah. You yeah, want to run I've two got- marathons a year. So you yeah. get another marathon beforehand and go back yeah. to Amsterdam. Well, I've got London in April. So there you go. Perfect. I've got big, big plans for that. But I think, I think the pressure, as I've said multiple times, when I started my 16 week training, I said in my post, I want 430. Mm-hmm. 
most people will probably not remember that, but I like that's, and I don't think I'll do that again. I don't think I'll tell people what I want, what I like time I want because I think that was. I'm like, oh, people know that. And I went back into work on yesterday and it was like, oh, did you get your 4.30? And I was like, oh, yeah, let's not do this again. Let's not tell people what time I want. And even on the metro there, I was like to mum, yeah, my A goals, maybe 4.20. Let's go 4.20, B go 4.30, C go 4.40. Like, let, um, yeah, we're not, that's not, let's not do that again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's difficult because if you, if you verbalise it, it almost puts the additional pressure on you yeah. uh, to, to have to do it in that time. I was in the opposite sort of camp to you. I My time that I wanted was, um, it would have been, it would have been a 10 minute PB, a 10, 15 minute PB mm-hmm. on what I originally had. And that was for me, a conservative, I know I can do that. Yeah. Um, but there was everyone around me was saying, "Well, no, you're going to do it X faster." Mm-hmm. Um, and in reality, they were correct. But I didn't want to build myself up for failure. Yeah. Um, I, 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 as much as I was at the time prior to the run, I wanted to get sub four. I didn't want to build myself up because I, I remember how because my first marathon was the one that I wanted to get sub four thirty for the mm-hmm. first attempt. I remember how how bad I felt thinking I hadn't reached it. Although in reality I had on the first one, mm-hmm. I, I remember how bad I felt and how negative I was being on my own performance and it wasn't healthy. So then going into Loch Ness, I went with no time goal mm-hmm. and I didn't verbal. I obviously had a time in my head, but I didn't verbalize it. And I surpassed what I was aiming for. And fortunately returned to Edinburgh. It wasn't, wasn't, a, wasn't a PB run. It was more, to get over the the disappointment from the time before mm. and and help someone else. So I think you're right. It's it's better to have have an idea yourself. And certainly everyone knows that you want a, four, a sub four thirty. That is going to be your goal. Yeah. But no matter how your your training goes, how the next marathon goes, how your strength and conditioning goes, you can have a time in your head. But if you keep that to you and that's your a goal, then you put less pressure. You're, you're exerting less pressure in the sphere around you to then feel like everyone's going to think I'm, 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 I've not done as well because I haven't hit the time that I said it was going to. Because you've, you've, you've un, un, unintentionally put that pressure on yourself. Calf yeah. aside, that's, that's possibly been where that mental difficulties come from. Um, but you, you always take away from a marathon like that. And you, did, you still did phenomenally well, Rach. It's, it's, yeah. It was a very tough day, weather-wise. Um, yeah, we had like four seasons in one day. We did. We did have four seasons in one day. And I don't know what your perspective was on some of the some of the areas of the, well, let's just, just after the Rice Museum or just beforehand, some of the, the barriers were quite narrow. Yeah. The heavy rain had created puddles. How, how, what was your perspective on that side of the race then? Were, were you quite happy kind of navigating those or was it not um, so much of an issue yeah no I, I definitely agree it was definitely issue in some parts I think as well because they had a lot of like crossing bits as well it was a bit where like we actually had to stop still because there was people crossing which was yeah. nice um but yeah I think it got because 
I'd started off quite fast. I ended up in quite like a fast group and people were quite competitive. So when we got quite crammed in, there was someone behind me like pushing me. Like a guy was like pushing me like with his hands and I turned around and I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, go faster, go faster. And I was like, there was like a guy in front of me. So I was like, I physically can't go faster. Yeah. And he was getting really annoyed. Um, but I think it, that was like the first, yeah, I think it was just after the race museum. Um, so again, it was just like the start of the race. Everyone was like feeling the... Feeling Itching the- to get going. Yeah. No, I, I certainly, I, I did, I didn't, put hands on anyone because I, I did get annoyed with that myself people kind of squeezing through pushing through they weren't checking other people weren't checking shoulders um but it wasn't arrow in sections there were puddles we as scots people are used to running through puddles but a lot yeah. of people were trying to avoid them and they were stopping dead same as at the hydration stations they were just they weren't pulling to the right or pulling to the left they were just yeah forming a wall um, and that's probably the, the part i found the hardest about the race was it was too many people for me. I loved it, but it was too many people. Yeah, I think with Edinburgh and Manchester, definitely not as many people. And you don't think it's going to affect you that much. But yeah. especially at the hydration stations, when even though they have everyone kind of lined up, handing out water, people are always going to go to that first few people. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, it was... That standstill at some point. The pushing, the shoving, the standstill. Yeah. Um they, it was. I found that very difficult because I hadn't, I hadn't experienced that before in any of the, the two marathons that I'd run. What I did have in my head though is, come the day that I eventually get to do London, I know that the roads are a lot wider. I know yeah. that there's a lot of people, but from what I believe from having had Steve on the podcast in the past and knowing a lot of people that have run it, it is fairly flat and. Yeah. It is very wide, so you can take a lot of what you've learned from Amsterdam. That's true. And some of the negatives, some of the positives. Uh, and I think with with having London as your next one, I I fully believe that'll be that'll be the race for you. Yeah, that'll be it, where you'll get your PB, and I think because it'll be closer to home as well, it'll feel even better. Yeah, and I think London's always been the what like. Whenever I started running, it was like, oh, wow, London Marathon. I've always watched on the TV. So to like be doing that next and to potentially get a PB, I think that'll be. And again, yeah, closer to home because not many people know, but I'm actually moving to London at the end of the year. So mm-hmm. leaving Glasgow um, moving to the big smoke. Um, so it will be really close to home. It will be home. Um, so I think that'll that'll kind of calm the nerves because I said to my boyfriend he was we got home on Monday night and he was like oh would you have changed anything and I was like maybe go like a few days earlier or like maybe an extra day earlier because I think it was that arriving on the Saturday like going to the expo you want to get everything done you want to see everything you want to like make sure you've eaten enough it's a lot for just cramming into one day so I think with the next one being in London I'll have that more relaxed feel it will be home you don't Absolutely. need to worry about like I don't know oh what am I going to eat for breakfast because like I don't have my usual things here like that'll that'll all kind of fall into place with that with that bombshell uh that's <laughs> that is probably more of the of the universe saying it's going to happen there because yeah. it will be your home it will be your home marathon at that time you will be able to hop on the London metro whatever the over the, the it's yeah. called um and I, I believe that you, as a as a, a holder of a race number, you get 
the travel for free for a lot of the lines. Okay. So you'll be able to chill, just yeah. take your time, be able to run like, a lot of it as well. Yeah, and go to like the expo when it's quiet. Like I feel yeah. like if you're visiting, it's like you only re- really get the busy option, whereas I'll be able to go whenever I'm free and it's quiet. So, so maybe that's a takeaway from Amsterdam then, Rach, is it wasn't meant to be because yeah. it's meant to be for London. Yeah, London. and that was that was just the universe's way of, of 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 giving you the extra lift of knowing that it'll be your home one. Yeah, and I think it's like if I didn't have, I think if Amsterdam like had went perfectly, I would. There's a lot of lessons I've learned like in this race, and I feel if maybe in a few years if this happens again, I'll know exactly how to deal with it. Like yeah. I'll know if my head starts like getting negative thoughts, I'll know how to fix that and things like that. Whereas if it hadn't happened and I got it in a few years, then and maybe in a few years I'll be going for a faster time, and you don't want it to happen then. No, exactly. You, you learn. You learn something every time. Yeah. You're gonna get it, London. It's gonna be at your first major. You're gonna be your home marathon. Yeah. That's the positives of it all. Um, unfortunately, uh, next marathon, next year's marathon for for Amsterdam isn't the anniversary. It's the forty eighth marathon. Um, so maybe I'll be back for the fiftieth. There you go. It's a few years time, but yeah. at the same time, if you get your target, at, 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 when when you get your target at London, not putting pressure on you. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's, it's the universe's way. Um, at least then it takes the pressure off you. If you wanted to go back to Amsterdam next October, go for it. Make a little holiday of it. Spend yeah. a little more, little, little bit more time, and then you can just enjoy the race a little bit more without the the self imposed pressure. And you'll yeah. know the route, you'll know the crowds, where they're going to be good and bad, where you're going to feel a little bit low. Um, so I certainly, I, you, you weren't, you weren't alone. And and I, I, the the head is is your own worst enemy. I I felt that from probably around about thirty kilometers. I found it very very difficult. And even coming through that finish line, as 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 spectacular as it was, as soon as I stopped my watch, I just felt this overwhelming pressure mm-hmm. it's just knowing that you completed it but at the same time it was just it takes so much out of you and you've got that physical exertion as well as the mental exertion you're just putting yourself through torture and um, so yeah it might not have been what you hoped it to be but you, you still you still got a personal best out of it you've got another marathon ticked off you've got another piece of silverware yeah and um, you should be very very proud i hope you're very proud yeah i think it's taken a few days People kept going, oh, I'd like to enjoy it. And my reply was like, no, pace seven minute. But now, finally, I'm like, I did. I think it's those negative thoughts that were probably still hanging around the past few days. Like, um, yeah, I'm proud of myself for doing another marathon. and Especially abroad, because that adds the extra. There's so much extra that you don't even think about. Um, so, yeah, my first, our first international marathon. Yeah, good. There, that's a, there's, you're getting the positives. Yes. <laughs> Spot on. I would, uh, at this point, I would ask what's next, but we also know um, London. <laughs> Move to London first and then London Marathon. Um, if not Amsterdam next October, are, are there any other marathons in the around sort of time you'd be interested in doing? I've entered the ballots for Berlin and Chicago. So we'll leave that with the universe. Yes. Um, but if I don't get into either of them, then I think it might be Loch Ness. I'll come back to Scotland. And I think I'll be Loch Ness. That would be even better, Rach, because then I could come and help support as well. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I think, especially if I'm moving like away from Scotland, I want to come back and 
and do Loughness. I've heard great things. I had a few like friends that had done it this year and they loved it. So uh, it'll be very different because I've kind of only, well, apart from Edinburgh, it's not really a city marathon. I've kind of only, Manchester and Amsterdam were definitely kind of city ones, whereas Loughness, I can imagine, is different. Um, uh, yes, very different. <laughs> um, it'd be very difficult to train hills in London. Uh, <laughs> you might have to go in a couple of tower blocks and run up and down their stairs. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, we'll come to that when. Yeah, yeah. I mean, keep your fingers crossed for Chicago and Berlin. What happens if you get both though? Oh yeah, I know. I did think this today because I have. Yeah. Hmm. Do you do you you go for that expense of a double major, a triple major for twenty twenty four? Yeah. I'll leave it with the interview. And we'll also see what the bank balance is saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you could always you could always accept it and defer it, and then yeah. you have you have a major. You have two majors in one year and one following year. It's then we unfortunate you wouldn't be have Loch Ness, but um, yeah. there's all that will always be there, and you can always come up in a future year. Yeah, I think Loch Ness will definitely be one that will do. Just whether. I mean, when that is <laughs> and the medal is always phenomenal it's, it's such a lovely medal that you get from Loch Ness so I mean that's that's worth doing it just for that yeah. spot on I've, I've loved that Rach it's been really nice to have you back on um it's it's been a bit of a roller coaster kind of going through that with you I mean um he started off top of the world yeah you went to the depths and you've come back up again so it's 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 a good and you'd said this in the first episode, at least you can listen back as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, I think, and reflect on it. Yeah. Because I think in the first one, I was very, woo, it'll be a PV. And yeah, this is probably slightly different, but a bit more realistic. I think it's probably for people that not everyone's going to get their time PV at every race. So mm-hmm. just ride with it. <laughs> exactly. And, and there will always be races that you'll be disappointed. And it's, it's hard to tell people that you've got to roll with the punches and yeah. you will have disappointments, but at the time, nobody can tell you otherwise. Um, but it'll be good for you to listen back. And, yeah. you know, honestly, you, you did do phenomenally well. It's It was as, as easy as a flat marathon would sound. It was very, very tough. Um, so, no, big, big kudos to you. Um, for anyone that wants to follow your journey going forward, though, um, or actually this, this next part maybe doesn't make much much sense, but for anyone that wants to follow you, where can they do so and on what social platforms? I was also going to say if they wanted to get involved with the Ladies Run Club as well, but certainly if you'll be, if you'll be moving away, that'll be changing for you. You'll be looking for a new club. Yeah, so for the Girls Run Club, we have like three other leaders, so it will still be going on in Glasgow. Good. Um, but yeah. I've been documenting a lot of the, my progress on TikTok, which I kind of go back and forth with. It's uh, Instagram is where it, it all is for me. I feel like you can connect more with people there. Um, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I've started to think about I think I'll definitely well join a run club in London. Whether I'll maybe help lead one, I'm not sure. I might just go back to trying to find the love for running again. It's kind of slightly dampened right now. Um, Find your zone, find your zen. Yeah, I think. Take a bit of time for myself, not put any... It's nice not having a plan and not having an app notify you every day, being like, you have to go around today. It's, it's been quite nice, but also feel slightly lost of 
what 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 we're gonna do until I need to start training for London and yeah. I, I certainly have a couple of people. If you're if you're looking for anyone to run with in London that are good people, um, cool. especially females, I can put you in contact with them. Yeah. On uh, TikTok and Instagram, though, is are they both Rach ran a marathon? Yeah, both Rach ran a marathon. Okay. Well, I think I think that's us then. Um, thank you once again for joining me, and hopefully. Your mother enjoys this episode as much as the first one. <laughs> yeah, shout out to my mum. She'll definitely be probably be the first listener when it comes out. <laughs> shout out to your whole the whole support crew that went over, uh, your boyfriend, your brother, your mother. Yeah. Um, no, good on good on them as well. But uh, no, thank you very much for, for joining me, Rachel. And I hope you enjoy it the rest of your evening. Thanks so much, Steve. And huge congrats on your PB as well. Thank Amazing. you. Thank Amazing. you very much. <laughs> What a roller coaster of emotions we had right there. In one respect, I am devastated for Rachel from feeling in tip top condition and cruising towards her goal, much like how I started off Edinburgh last year, to feeling like the world was falling away from her. But in another respect, I am excited for her and have full belief that she'll go into her first major to smash her target and do it all within arm's reach of home. As great as Amsterdam was, it will be even more memorable when she blows it out of the water in London. I was so glad to be able to meet Rachel in person as well, even if it was only briefly. Sadly, no selfie for the gram, but when she makes it to the Baxter's Loch Ness Marathon, no matter when that might be, I'll be there to support her and make up for that missed opportunity. And who knows, I may even decide to run it again myself. So once again, thank you so much to Rachel for coming on and being such an amazing guest. In addition to what you've heard in both recordings on both episodes, there was also a great pre and post chat session, making the whole process really enjoyable. All the best to Rachel with her recovery and the very best of luck with the move to London. Hopefully, we can touch base with her again in the future and find out how her first major has gone and a little bit more about her goal to achieve 10 marathons before she turns 30. On to my own experience with Amsterdam now, I suppose. And as Rachel mentioned at the end of the chat, I did get a PB. There's actually going to be a blog about the pre and post marathon experience, which will likely have a lot more detail in it than I'm about to cover. You should be able to find that on the website soon at the point99podcast.com forward slash blog. Before I get into talking about the PB itself, uh, I will reiterate what I said with Rachel the marathon, as great as it was, was super well organised and such an amazing event overall. It just wasn't the race for me in all respects. It was a little bit too busy, too many people. There was a lot of tunnel vision runners, maybe in the wrong category, putting themselves into a wave advanced of where they should have been so they were blocking people there was a limited amount of overtaking opportunities because people were running in a straight line or causing a, a blockade of a wall 
There were people pushing past without consideration or even asking. There was no courtesy. Yeah, whatever it was, it just it just felt a little bit off. There was also the bottlenecking for people avoiding puddles and then those that were stopping dead at hydration stations, sponge stations, banana stations, you name it. There was just a number of obstacles. I don't want to paint a picture of the overall marathon being a negative. As I say, the organisation and the support from everyone spectating or volunteering or working at the event was phenomenal. Just some of the other runners made it a very, very difficult event to take part in. All of that aside, I did produce a performance well in advance of anything I thought I could ever pull out of the bag. The faith, support and motivational chat I had from all the legends on my DMs and in person over the past few weeks was fundamental to my success, including wearing the absolute belter of the Nike Vaporflies. Um, yeah, Ian, Ian, you are an absolute star for giving me the heads up on those. My previous personal best was a four hour 24 marathon, which I set at the Baxter's Locks Nest last year while wearing the kilt, just taking it easy, enjoying the marathon. So I set myself the reasonable estimate time of four hours 11 when I signed up for Amsterdam. The time I achieved, however, sort of blew that out of the water. Like quite a number of other runners, I had my GPS watch ping the marathon distance about a kilometre from the finish line. Like we, we just mentioned there with Rach, she was the same. So that's put me in a little bit of a conundrum. Do I take the chip time or do I take the Strava time? My chip time is a three hour, 45 minute marathon. My Strava time is a three hour, 41 marathon. Either way, it is far in advance of what my personal best was and what my goal was. Either way, no matter what I take, what I decide to take, probably going to be the Strava time. It is a reversal to how I felt prior to the marathon, as I am now slightly annoyed as I know I could have gone even faster had it not been for many of the other runners preventing it. I know I could train and go for it again, but that might not be conducive to it at the same time. It might have been my one shot to prove what I could really do. So I am both really happy and low-key grumbly at the minute. Future plans to run another marathon are non-existent at the moment. The love and feeling will inevitably come back to me, but for now I'm riding the wave of pride in accomplishing something I thought far outside my reach. A massive congratulations to everyone who smashed the marathon though, no matter the finishing time or if you reached your goal, it's still a personal best you've achieved another marathon completion, beating your previous number of marathons completed. There we go. That's that's all you need to take away. A special shout out to those who I spotted on my gram feed that were also taking part, but especially to Sarah Jenkinson, otherwise known as Sarah Jen X, as she did actually spot me on course but she didn't want to 
shout to me or say anything because she didn't want to distract me. She said I was very much in the zone. Um, But we do have a number of people. I don't know if they're listeners, but I'm still going to shout them out because I think they're worthy of just that. And I had written down a few of them. So here we go. I've had Hassan Hassan, the challenger in me is his handle. He absolutely smashed it and he had this great flag. I'm not quite sure where he's from, but he just looked like he was a happy, smiley chap all the way around. We also have Jennifer Rose. That is jen.likes.running. Esther Downs. I think that's how you say her name. And her handle is Flying Feet Running. AJ underscore running underscore coach. Andrew Jacqueline. Colin Simpson. Supercall underscore runs. Grant Kerr, who is Grant underscore Kerr 94. And to someone who's local to me, who did a phenomenal time for his first marathon, but then he is actually just an insane, insanely fast runner, is Blair Mackay. And he is North underscore runner underscore BM. They all took part. They all have fantastic photos up with their medals, but there's going to be so many more people that I've potentially missed on the feed the way that Instagram works so if you are a listener if you were taking part I do want to give you a shout out in the next episode so let me know I'm very very happy to to do an additional shout out but everybody so so well done to you all it's as much as I'm grumbling about some of the other runners I hope it's not yourselves um but yeah I hope you had a great run and um that's all I'm gonna say From one marathon to another, however, and we're going to cover a little bit of the community and what was going on over the rest of the weekend for those who weren't at Amsterdam. It was the Yorkshire Marathon on the same day. I did actually see some Yorkshire Marathon t-shirts in the crowd and running at uh, Amsterdam, which was slightly confusing, but that must have been from previous years. Um... But uh, for anyone running at Yorkshire or even any of the other distances at Yorkshire, any of the other races that were taking part that weekend and any of the other distances at Amsterdam, super, super well done. I've seen a number of mixed emotion posts over the last few days, none more so than from the wonderful family that is the What The Fartlet podcast. In fact, I actually had episode one of their latest season playing while I was running. I put it on over the second third of the marathon to listen to the wee man Matty himself getting interviewed by Rob. And that helped me so much to settle my nerves in that midsection. But also throughout my training block, they were a fundamentally important aspect to to how I was training. They had their episodes out ready for my long runs and it was so good to to listen to their chat, their hilarity and their just general amazing banter. Anyone that is familiar with the What The Fartlick podcast and the wider family will know that they're such an amazing bunch of people. They like to get everyone involved. They're very welcoming and That was just shown throughout the posts at the Yorkshire Marathon. They were there en masse to give support to anyone running, whether a multi-time marathon finisher or a first-time marathon finisher. They were there to help people enjoy the overall experience, to help them smash it 
And yeah, a lot of them have come away with amazingly glorious looking medals is probably the best way to describe them. Name-wise for Yorkshire, uh, I don't have a list because my weekend has been so, so busy, uh, especially with the travel. And I don't want to announce some names and not others. So if you were taking part and you know that I'm speaking about you, mega well done. Um, yeah, it was it was a, a tough weekend for you as well there. I don't think the course is, is that flat compared to Amsterdam. So you're all trippers. Super, super well done. Coming event-wise, we have a few faces heading to the Run the Blades, the night one, tonight, so Friday night. Good luck to everyone who is taking part. I do have a list of uh, some people that are planning to head to it, but I'm not going to read them out because I'm not sure if they're actually going. And I'm going to wait to see if they do head along and then I'll give them a shout out next week. Let's start wrapping up the episode though, kicking things off with who you can expect to hear from in episode four. Now, I briefly mentioned his name in the previous episode where I spoke about my little weekend away in Edinburgh and tipped my cap towards a future guest who was in attendance. That likely flew past most people, but for anyone who did take note, you'll remember that it will be, of course the main man behind the EH3 milers and yet another ultra runner to add to the list of previous ultra runner guests to the show, Chris Evans. And his handle for anyone who wants to check him out beforehand is chris.runs.a.lap. Maybe familiar to some of you because we have read his name out in the past. Chris has been a long time supporter for the podcast pretty much from day one, I think. So it would be great to finally get him on the show and put it all together. Even if we do have to re-record the episode before it comes out next week, it has been pre-recorded, but he's not happy with the way that it went and he wants to do it again. So I'm going to give him the podcast first opportunity to do that. Otherwise, it's the usual chat on where you can get in contact with the show and also find us on social media. If you do want to get in contact, you can drop us an email at thepoint99podcast at gmail.com. Drop me a DM at either of these handles to the show or to myself. And that is the point 99 podcast on Instagram or Mr. Underscore Steve underscore runs. You can drop us a message also to our Facebook page. Just search for the point 99 podcast. Additionally, there is a contact form on our website and you can find all the links to every episode so far. Find a link to the blog the merchandise and a few other things at the point 99 podcast.com. Finally, and in slight association with the podcast, we do also have a running community which is growing. It's on the Halo app. If you do want to get involved with that running community, just get the banner or take part in planned runs, mostly in the central belt of Scotland, but we are expanding into England and worldwide. You can drop over to the cult underscore runners on Instagram, drop us a message and join the chat with the link there. Uh, I'm going to be 
producing and posting some content on that page very, very soon. So you can find out a little bit more about some of the people and faces behind that community. But that is that. If you're interested in finding out a little bit more about how I got on with Amstrad, as I've said earlier in the podcast, you can do just that in a few days time when I drop the blog on the website. Otherwise, I hope you have a spectacular week. Stay safe, enjoy your runs, and you'll hear from me soon.